0: Come and open our hearts, not allowing bitterness to block these simple words that you've given. Lord, come and move over us now. I pray in your holy name. Amen. This morning, I began to review some of my favorite people that I have grown up knowing. There was Emma Herschelman, one of the sweetest ladies. She was old when I was young. She always seemed ancient to me. Marjorie Stambaugh, Andy Pengborn. Andy spent his life in a little shed on the B and O Railroad pushing big levers to move the tracks before the trains arrived, knowing which track they were to be sent to. And I remember going with him to his place of work and he'd say, Raymond. You switched the track. And I was so excited to be able to take a hold of that big bar. And of course, I couldn't move it. But he'd get the top of it, and I'd move it. But his hand was guiding it. I could name person after person after person that are treasures in my heart that influenced me as a boy. They all have one thing in common. They've gone on to their reward. Now, maybe that's just a sign of my age. But I want to tell you, you're going there too. We have 100% mortality. All of us are going to go through death's door. So then how should we live? We get caught up with our projects. We get caught up with our assignments. We get caught up with surviving. And life is not about any of that. We get caught up with our pleasures. And we grow angry with one another when we do not provide for one another what we expect that person to provide for us. So Pastor James, one of the straightest books in the Bible, he knew he was speaking to real people about real issues. We come to the last chapter today in our study in the book of James. Verse 7. So, brethren, you must be patient until the arrival of the Lord. The word patient in the Greek can easily be translated, and it may be in your Bible, endure. To endure means to put up with. to admit the difficulty, but not to be swayed by the difficulty, not to be turned off track by the difficulty, but to stand. And some of you today, yeah, I'm not afraid to stop and call you out, so you better stop talking. Hey, guys. I don't want to embarrass you in front of everybody, but if you're going to sit and talk to each other, I'm going to ask you to leave. So if you want to stay, chill. All right? There are some of you today in this house, you've made a decision that you're going to follow Jesus. Jesus. And then things got tough. As soon as you make a decision you're going to follow Jesus, everything is going to become much more difficult because Satan will come after you. Why should he bother with somebody who is already in darkness? Why should he bother if you have no interest in waking up in the glory of Jesus. Why would Satan bother with you? You're dead. You're asleep. Stay that way. Go to hell. That's his attitude. Jesus, on the other hand, says, hey, yeah, you're in darkness, but do you see this ray of light that I'm piercing into your darkness? And will you begin to follow this light? In the story of Pilgrim's progress, he's awakened to his condition. He recognizes he's going to die. The city's going to burn. And Evangelist says to him, do you see that gate? No, I don't see a gate. No, do you see the light? Yeah, I think I see some light. Follow the light. It'll bring you to a narrow gate. It'll bring you to a point of decision. We are people who follow the light. And when you begin to follow the light, the darkness does not just back off. I have absolutely made a commitment to follow Jesus. I have served him faithfully now for many years. And in spite of that, the devil comes with his emotional charge and says, you're wasting your time. What are you doing this for? What you are praying for is not going to happen. You can pray all you want. It's not going to happen. You're always going to be doing right now what you're doing. My dad he made some very poor choices in his life. He was invited to be an ordained pastor three times by three different organizations. And every time he turned it down. And every time he said, I'm not educated sufficiently to pastor a church. And after the third time, he said, the Lord turned aside from me and never called me again to pastoral ministry but in his old age he was asked one more time to pastor a church and he said yes and so he began to pastor this little fellowship of people in a in a tiny little church out in the country and i'd say to dad dad Why doesn't your church grow? I was young and I was reading church growth literature. I was reading the sociologists and the anthropologists, the strategists. You have to do this and this and this, and that'll make the church grow. He'd just very quietly say to me, Ray, it's not about growing your church. It's about growing them in holiness. It's about walking with Jesus. I'd say, Dad, I hear you, but if you don't grow, you won't have the money to do anything. And he'd say to me, it's not about money, Ray. It's about being holy. And I'd say, Dad, you're just a legalist. You ought to forget about this holiness stuff and just grow the church. So he stopped asking me to preach when I came home from seminary. <laughs> As well he should have. I was not fit to preach. But I went ahead with my life and, and the plans that I had for church growth and experienced that kind of radical church growth where hundreds are coming. but the presence of Jesus wasn't there. Now, I'm not saying that all large churches don't have the presence of Jesus. I just haven't found one yet. But part of my monster that I have to deal with is that am I in the same place my dad was? Did God turn his back on me because of my sin of going after success and prosperity? Did God turn his back on me? And the devil will come to me and say, National Prayer Chapel is never going to be anything. You shouldn't have named it the National Prayer Chapel. It's not anything. It'll never be anything. And so I say to the devil, you're right. I didn't name it. It's not my church. I'm not responsible to grow it. It belongs to Jesus. So you're right, Mr. Devil. I'll never amount to anything. I'm happy that way now. Can you be happy never to amount to anything? But to just follow Jesus and walk in holiness? Is that enough for you? and then let Jesus do whatever he wants to do but you see some of you today I'm I'm very concerned about because I think you're right on the edge of deciding whether you're going to walk away from Jesus some of you today are angry with Jesus you would rather keep your bitterness than humble your heart before the lord You'd rather keep the fight going than to humble your heart before the Lord and just say, I'm done. I'm through. I'm going to endure. I'm going to walk with Jesus. That's my life. I'm going to walk with Jesus. That's the deal. There's no extra deal. So Pastor James comes and he says, So brethren, you must be patient until the arrival of the Lord. You consider how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient for it until it may receive the early and latter rain. You must also be patient. You must endure You must endure your wife getting angry with you. You must endure your husband being sharp. You must endure your children acting like brats. Because every child acts like a brat at some point. After all, they've watched mom and dad. You must endure. You must endure. It means staying put. But if you're serving Jesus to get something out of him, and when you finally decide, I'm not going to get that, then you'll go serve the devil who you hope will give it to you. But he won't. Now, he says, you must firmly fix your hearts because the arrival of the Lord has come near. What does he mean, fix your heart? It means you're not going to blow with the wind any longer. You're not going to blow with the emotions the devil will bring at you any longer. I have often put it this way. On a train, there is the engine, there are the boxcars, and there used to be the caboose. They don't have cabooses anymore. But a lot of us want to use the caboose to pull the train. The caboose was where they had a cot and they had the stove and they had the food. The caboose was the comfort area for the people running the train. So we want to run our lives out of our caboose. But the caboose has no power in itself. You've got to have the steam engine or the diesel up front to make that train move. And what's the steam engine or the or the diesel up front. It's what we believe. It's what God's word is to us. We function by God's word and not by our emotions. Our emotions will drag behind. They have to follow what we decide in Jesus Christ. Now the, the feelings may scream and yell and fight and say, I don't want this. I don't want to go this way. I don't want to do this. Pastor James is saying, get over it. Follow what you know to be true. And don't give way to the caboose of your heart where you want to be comfortable. And some of you, when you don't get your caboose, you make everybody else uncomfortable around you. I'll show you that's what he says. Verse 9, you must not complain against one another, brethren. So we don't get our way. So we get mad and we try to make everybody else miserable around us. And some of you are drama queens and drama kings. You know, if you don't get your way, throw enough stuff up in the air. So you'll distract people from your own stuff. And you'll then claim, I'm right, you're wrong. Did you know as soon as you say to somebody I'm right and you're wrong you're double wrong He's saying I mean this is Pastor James in the in the direct course of the scripture I'm not setting this up James set this up He's saying when you are called to endure instead of a adu- enduring The opposite will be complaining. So if you are complaining today, you are not enduring. If you're blaming today, you are not enduring. That's what he's saying. You must not complain against one another, brethren, that you may not be judged. If I begin to complain against you, and you don't respond to my complaints and do what I want you to do, what is the next step? I get angry. What's the next step? I begin to blame and attack. Am I right? All of those are signs that we've refused to endure. We've demanded our own way. We're insisting that we're right and you're wrong and there can be no peace. And then the favorite thing. We don't want to make it about us, so we'll make it about our child or we'll make it about our dog or we'll make it about our house or we'll make it about something else. So we can point to it and say, see, I'm right. I have a higher interest than you do and you should do it my way. Pastor James is saying, don't complain against one another because that will lead to bitterness. And that will cause the judge to come into our lives. That's where God begins to deal with us in punishment, in flogging. Because he doesn't doesn't come and dwell in a man or a woman who's walking in complaining and grumbling. Go to the Old Testament and look at the story of the children of Israel. God was so angry with them for always grumbling against him, testing him. They refused to endure. Go there. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. You must remember, we call the ones who endured blessed. You know, we call Moses blessed because he was willing to go for 40 years and herd the sheep. And we all know we would not go herd sheep for 40 years, especially somebody else's sheep. Don't ask us to do that. Moses went from the highest, most powerful court to the stinky sheep for 40 years, <clears throat> he tried in his own strength and his own power to grab the sword and cause an insurrection with God's people. He would have ended up getting thousands of God's people killed. And the Lord stepped in and said, No, you don't. You're not going to save my people this way. So he had to train Moses. And the way he trained Moses was sending him 40 years with his sheep. Until he said, I can't even talk anymore. I've been silent with these sheep. Probably about all he thought he could do was make sheep sounds. Bleeding. I mean, he talked to the sheep all day. There's nobody else out there to talk to. And we look at that and we say, wow, look what God did with Moses. He led the children of Israel out of Egypt with the total destruction of the Egyptian empire. He ruined their economy. He delivered his people out of this womb called Egypt. We look at him and admire that. Pastor James goes on. He says, in verse 11, you must remember, we call the ones enduring... Blessed. You heard of Job's endurance and you saw the end result from the Lord that he is compassionate and merciful. So here's Job. His children die. His wife says, Why don't you curse God and die? He loses all of his money and he loses his health. All he has left is a grumbling wife and sickness and misery and pain. Why should he want to live? And he gets so low in his emotions that he says to God, why didn't you curse the day I was born? Why didn't I die in birth? And then he would rise up to incredible heights. And he would say things like the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed is the name of the Lord. And some of you want to say, blessed is the name of the Lord as long as he doesn't take my job. As long as he doesn't take my family, my children. As long as he doesn't touch my wife. God couldn't take his wife because he needed the wife to be a thorn in Job's side. Wives can do that sometimes. He needed Job to be pressed to the utter end, that he would finally say, I repent in dust and ashes. I heard of you, but now I see you. You will only see God through suffering, through endurance. And I tell you today, I have great respect and love for some of you in this congregation who have endured such incredible suffering. And yet you're here today with a heart of joy, encouraging us to serve Jesus. Do you think Williams always had an easy time of it? Think it's easy to walk in his shoes? or Brother Ed's shoes. I could name many of you in this room. So on one hand, I have to say, I'm so proud of this congregation for your endurance in Jesus. But on the other hand, I have to come forward with Pastor James and say, continue enduring, because it's not going to get easier. The battle is on. The war is on. So don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't turn aside. Let go of the anger and the bitterness and the judgment. Do you know God wants to do some beautiful things in your life? And what's stopping him from doing it is your attitude and your defensiveness. He's calling us to lay these things down. He continues. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. You don't have to say no and then attack them. You don't have to say yes and then defend. Just say yes or no. Otherwise, he says, you're going to be a hypocrite. Does anyone among you suffer misfortune? He must pray. So, James' answer is that instead of grumbling, pray. Who do you today feel most strongly like you want to grumble about? That's the person you need to be praying for. What's the situation in your life that is most painful to you? That's where you go in the scriptures and you find the promises and you enter into the divine nature of God by claiming these promises and standing in the prayer closet by faith. I will walk this out, Jesus. I will not grow weary. I will be faithful before you and I know your promises. Yes and amen. But it's much easier to roll over and whine. and set some drama in motion. Start a fight with somebody. Did you start a fight with anybody this week? And I'm sure you'll say quickly, nope. Don't lie. I know they started the fight. You didn't start the fight, they started the fight. Don't lie. Who do you today want to grumble about and say, I am never going to agree with them? They're wrong. Really? Is that what Jesus said? Or was that your grumble? Pastor James is very practical. He says, if any among you suffer misfortune, he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He must sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, having anointed him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one being sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he may have committed sins, it will be removed from him. The NIV probably translates that, it will be forgiven. But the word in the Greek is epheme, and it literally means to remove from. you know, I'm not interested in being forgiven and still having to walk with the load of that sin. When I'm forgiven by Jesus, I need him to take the sin out. 1 John, the first chapter and the second chapter, he promises that if we repent of our sin, he will cleanse and purify us from that sin. He will remove it from us. We won't go there again. You know, I've been tempted so many times. Even yesterday, sorely tempted. And what I did was simply immediately begin to cry out to Jesus and say, I will not allow my feelings to go there. That's wrong. That's unbelief. That's grumbling. I'm not going to go there, Jesus. Would you change the way I feel about this? And after some time of prayer, just a whole shift came in my spirit. The battle was over. It was won. And the first thing I did when I opened my baby blue eyes this morning, I said, Jesus, thank you for the victory yesterday. Why would I do that? Because I have an ulterior motive. I want the victory to continue. <laughs> you know, why, why fight a lion time after time? Why not just kill the lion? Okay, I mean, why play with it? Chase it away with your sharp spear, poke it a little bit. No, we want it dead. We want it done. We don't want to play with it anymore. We don't want to grumble about it with our friends and our family. We want it wiped out, finished. So Pastor James says, you must admit the transgressions to one another and must pray in behalf of one another so that you may be restored. There are some sins that we have struggled against and struggled against and struggled against and have not gained the victory. Pastor's saying, it's what the church is for. The power of the demonic is broken in the body of Christ. So there are some times we need to just come to a brother or a sister needs to go to a sister and say, I'm struggling with this sin. Would you please for pray with me that Jesus will forgive me and break the power of this sin in my life? I need the victory. And begin to pray together. And pray together until it's done. And you say, Okay, I'm free. I'm not going to go back there. I remember when the Lord told me to stop watching television. Turn it off. And then he added a strange caveat. He said, you're welcome to watch the television when Jan's watching it. And I literally burst out laughing. Because Jan never watched it. And then the day came when he said, okay, carry it out, put it in the trash. And I objected and said, but Lord, it's a large screen, $1,000 Sony television. Can't I sell it? No, put it in the trash. And so I carried it out and put it with the trash man. But I have to be honest with you. I would go sit in the living room. With the television turned off, and imagine the shows I was missing. I was in horrible withdrawal pains. Some of you freely watch your movies and your television and turn it off and watch how it tries to grab you. You'll go through withdrawal, it's a drug. But you don't gain anything by watching it. It sears your mind so that you can't read the scriptures. It turns the Spirit of God away from you. The Lord God of heaven will come and remove these things from our hearts. We'll go through withdrawal for our sin but we have the victory if we'll just endure through that painful, fiery time of testing by praying and turning to the Lord and asking Him for the victory. He'll grant us the victory. He says, you must admit the transgressions to one another. Please, the next time you feel like having a fight with somebody, would you quickly admit to them your transgression? Do you hear what I'm saying? Instead of protesting your righteousness, instead of taking a position that they're wrong, would you just confess the wickedness of your own heart and pray? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful, being effective with reference to many things. Elijah was a man like us, and in prayer he prayed that it might not rain, and it rained not upon the earth for three years and six months. You know what I've been asking Jesus? Could I pray that it would stop raining in America? He hasn't given me permission to pray that. It worked in Israel. (laughs) No, I can't pray what God doesn't allow me to pray. I can't pray out of my own emotion. But he's saying, you can pray like Elijah did, and God will hear you, and he will answer you. And so it's right for us to pray that the mainstream media will stop its lies, its distortion of truth. It's right for us to pray that God will step into government and once more create a righteous government in America. It's right for us to pray against all race war. One of the greatest joys of my heart is that this congregation is made up of different nationalities. Because in Jesus, we're one. And we're going to spend eternity in heaven with one another. Now, I suspect in heaven we're all going to be the same color. I think we're going to be red. The blood of Jesus washed and made clean. But here now, we have the right to pray in power that Jesus will come and bring peace because we need some time to proclaim the gospel in America. There's no standard of righteousness being lifted up in this nation. That standard must be lifted up before judgment comes upon this nation. And I'm crying out to God. Give us that that brief window where the Matthew 24 passage can be fulfilled. Where the final gospel can be proclaimed over the earth. Where the Revelation 14 proclamation of the three angels can go forth with power and authority over this nation. Pray. Stand on the promises. God is moving in magnificent ways to open the way for FM radio, for this congregation, humble, small. God's going to do it. For national radio, God's going to do it. He has to lift up a standard of righteousness over this nation Do you understand that's much more important than the fight you're having with your husband or your wife? It's much more important than your attitude towards somebody at work. It's much more important than being mad with your kids. Or your mom or your dad. I mean, we've got to go for the jugular. We've got to stop. Stop. The groaning and complaining about our own personal life and endure what has come and pray and cry aloud to the God of heaven. He continues. And he prayed again, and the heaven, the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced her fruit. Now, brethren. If anyone among you may go astray from the truth and someone may turn him, he must understand that the one having turned a sinner out from his way will save a soul out from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That's our work. That's what we're called to be about. Now, just very quickly, those of you who are under 20 years of age, you no, know, I'll include up to 26. <laughs> you live in the most difficult time in the history of the earth. And you've got to make some very plain, clear decisions. Am I going to follow Jesus or am I going to follow the seduction of the devil? Am I going to walk in the light? Am I going to walk in the darkness? This is not about you. You know what the news media calls you? Snowflakes and cupcakes. It's time for young people to get tough and strong and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Doesn't matter what other people say. I will follow Jesus. And then walk it out. And cut the world off. The flesh and the devil cut it off. So today. There is a warning storm flag. Flying in your life. And it is grumbling. It is complaining. It is judging a brother or a sister. And Pastor James is saying, stop. Don't grumble. Pray. Admit your fault. Confess your part. And I'll assure you, as soon as you confess your part, the fight's over. There's nothing to fight about. You already said it's all my fault. then go pray. Pray. Lord, I plead today that as we've heard these words from Pastor James, that the grumbling of our lives will stop and we will be willing to endure by confessing our sins and crying out to you asking you to please change us to change our attitudes to change our willingness from from fighting and bitterness and arguing to love and peace and joy as we submit and endure whatever hardship has come upon us lord you said to to deal with hardship as discipline as an education Lord, educate us in the way of the cross. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.